Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Rooster Villain and the Seagull. It is myself. It's my pleasure to uh, to introduce Jimmy. Jimmy, how are you? Did you just myself. skip over? Did you just skip over the villain in that in that title? You just call it say? Rooster and the Seagull. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to listen back. I'm a, and, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm offended. No, leave this all in. This is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel I, for some reason I feel awkward tonight opening the podcast, so it's just gonna gonna sit in there. Maybe it's the sobriety. Jake, how are you? I'm good. Um, I was thinking about it. We can uh, we can kind of hash this out if you guys wanted to. But I was thinking of something like the Seagull and the Soy Boys or something like that. We like as a working title. Soy Boys. What do you mean? <laughs> you never heard that term before. Yeah. No, what's a soy boy? Oh, it's like the like the the right wing goofballs. Whenever they try to insult someone, it's either cuck or soy boy. Now, mm, cuck, I'm uh, familiar with. Yeah, not personally, but I'm aware of it. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm doing okay. I am. I I caught the flu from one of the main reasons why I avoid children at all costs is I got sick from some little booger eaters in my family. Um, and I'm still recovering from it, like a week long flu. Um, yeah, yeah. Abby, our oldest, is five now, and I think I've been sick for the past five years. So, welcome to my yeah. welcome nah. to my life. You're always sick as a dad. Yeah, yeah but you, you, you get sick. You get sick, and then you then you wipe it right off because like your immune system when you live with them becomes strong. Actually, like now adapt. I'd say the last year and a half, two years, we've been all pretty healthy, but. For a good stretch there, it was like every single sickness. I had hand, foot, and mouth, which adults aren't even supposed to get. That's, and I had that's why lesions I had... in my mouth, and I still, to this day, can feel these lesions from a sickness three and a half, four years ago. You just had it? A year ago, yeah. Uh, did you get the mouth sores? Throat? All the way down my throat. Yeah, it was, uh, it was on my throat, and like I, I didn't see really any of my feet, but like... Like when you know, like shit's fucking weird when you get on the palms of your hands. That's when I was like, "All right, this isn't right." So like, I just end up going to the doctor, and they're like, "Yeah, you have hand, foot, and mouth disease." Which There's my so kids, many... my kids didn't have it. Like it was just me that picked uh, it up as an adult in the wild. Interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say to Jake, "There's so many sicknesses you didn't even know existed." Like roseola. My wife and uh, the oldest got roseola. She got. Super red in the face, had like 105 degree fever at one point. It's wild shit, wild shit out there. But anyway, this isn't a uh, this isn't a pandemic sickness podcast like it was in 2020. <laughs> we're we're actually here to talk some soccer, some football on pitches because we uh, we, we're Euro snobs here, aren't we? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I am. I think. Oh yeah, I, I thought actually a cool T-shirt, just Euro snob on it. I think I might make it. And wear it. Lately, I've been making shirts on Vistaprint for fifteen dollars and giving them to myself. It's cheaper than buying a regular shirt. You can make your own shirt on Vistaprint. We my uh, my indoor team just made hoodies and T-shirts on Vistaprint. I think it was like the team bought them. We were, we sent it out like links to like family members and stuff. I think it was like literally the team and then my dad. Your dad. Yeah. Shout out to your uh, Bill Kennedy. Is that his name? Bill. Bill Kennecke. Shout out, Bill. Hope you're doing well, Indeed. Bill. North Carolina. All right, he's, where we uh, uh, go? Oh, I was gonna say um, he uh, he's doing well. 
um, with uh, with the stuff he was going through. I don't know how much he'd like me to get into, but Bill Kennedy is is doing well. And back to uh, cyberbullying politicians on Twitter. So, <laughs> how can I uh, follow that action at Bill Kennedy? At Bill Kennedy, uh, his his motto is "Don't tag me, bro." But uh, he he's a good follow. Have you uh, switched over to Threads yet, Jake? I have a Threads. I have not posted one yet. Um, I've been posting getting... podcast content on Threads. I think uh, it's very Twitter esque. I think it's kind of catching on all of a sudden, except for one glaring omission from from what you get on X or Twitter, and that's actually playing soccer highlights. I I feel like somehow Instagram wants videos to stay on Instagram, so they're. Mm. Making videos on threads suck, but if they could fix that, I think maybe we can get Jimmy back on social media. No, it's, I just, no, I'm, I, I'm in the woods. I don't <laughs> want to curate another algorithm. That's my thing is like, everyone's like, Oh, get on TikTok," And I just, I don't want to do it. TikTok is horribly addicting. I keep downloading it and then I have to get rid of it because I will, my screen time will go from an already obnoxious four hours to about six and a half hours, which is so bad, so awful. I should be down from four as it is. Right, let's get, let's let's move along though. Plenty to talk about. Plenty to talk about. <laughs> we are, we are, my, we are uh, flying right habit. now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who do you want to talk about first? Brighton's loss. No, I want yeah. to talk about you. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. What, you want to go Tottenham Hotspur first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I have to admit that I wasn't hiding a little bit. Although I have been feeling a little shitty at night. Like I mentioned, I've been going to bed at 9 p.m. like a good boy. But I have been avoiding the podcast because those three losses in a row were very painful. The injury crisis, I would call it, at Tottenham Hotspur, also very painful. But you're looking uh, – we could talk about the Villa-Tottenham game. Um, no, Jimmy, we don't have, we don't have to we don't have to look at that. I mean, honestly, uh, in a in a quick recap, like on like that game was Villa in a nutshell, right? Like we are going to play high risk, high reward football. Uh, Sonny alone had three goals called back for offside. I think like your expected goal was something outrageous. Um, so many opportunities, but yeah, like again, just eighteen shot attempts. Eight shots on target. They we dominated you guys the first twenty five minutes of that game, and then I thought when Benton Kerr went down, completely changed the complexion of the game because it he, he was uh, protecting our back line more than anyone realizes that he was with uh, Mickey Vandevan and Romero out, and I thought when he went down, you guys all of a sudden looked like the more dangerous team, but. Tottenham's doing Tottenham things and letting in a goal in the 47th minute uh, first half stoppage time to Pau Torres. And you guys tie cool. it 1-1. And then Ollie Watkins uh, scores a goal in the 61st minute. And Villa with a very nice win away at Tottenham Hotspur, even though we were injured. It hurt a lot because, you know, we're watching us jump to an early lead again. And they had done that in the, the previous week against Wolves and then lost. Jump out to an early lead against you guys, uh, lose. And then before that, with Chelsea, which kind of started the Tottenham downfall with all the injuries and everything, with the 
craziest game you've ever seen that high line nine players we already talked about on the podcast but they also jumped out to the lead 1-0 on that game so fast forward to Sunday and Sonny breaks free you know a great counter attack amazing ball from Brian Hill who's been very okay out to Kulisevsky who uh, did three quarters of the way pass up the field to Sonny who has a brilliant finish in the uh, sixth minute, it's a great start. But, you know, I was watching with uh, 10 other Spurs fans at Saints for Mo- MoCo Spurs, and we're all celebrating like crazy. We barely just sit down. City gets a free kick, and then three minutes later, a sunny own goal, 1-1. And then uh, City just kind of had their their foot on our throats for the next 31 minutes until or until the 31st minute when, Foden scored uh, to make it 2-1. So that at that point, it's all doom and gloom. Tottenham can't have nice things. We enjoyed a lead for, for two minutes and 16 seconds there. Uh, but credit to the squad. They they came back at halftime and looked like a different team again. Uh, LaCelso scored for the second game in a row, and we, we equalized in the 69th minute. But then Jack Grealish comes in, 3-2, 81st minute, more doom and gloom. Tottenham season's over. And then somehow uh, Kulisevsky climbs the ladder uh, over a kanji, I believe, and, and scores off of his right shoulder. We were all going crazy. 3-3. Three, three. It, was, it was a fantastic game. And then we could talk about Halan crying over the uh, the call, which, you know, is a terrible call. The game shouldn't have been stopped. Grealish was clear on goal. I don't know what happened there, wow. but I think. I need a VAR review because I think he was close to offsides, like when the ball was played. But that's, that's I looked at I looked it. at that today. I looked at that today in detail, actually, because I was curious, and he looked onside to me. If you uh, if you pause that video and see when the ball was hit and when Grealish was released, I'm pretty sure he was onside. So it was a weird call. Um, I don't think Tottenham's in anybody's pocket, though. So I think it's just a bad human error by the ref. You know, if any if anyone has someone in their pocket, you think it, it's City with all their grubby little oil money. So that yeah, I, I mean, it, to me, getting that draw, stopping the bleeding after three losses against City away at the Emirates, I'm floating on air. Give me the point all day. Uh, gives us a lot of momentum heading into the festive fixtures here, and we have a little bit of an easier uh, fixture list coming up. Um, West Ham, and then we play Newcastle after that. And then after that, it's, you know, Forest and a couple other easier bottom feeder teams. So mm-hmm. hopefully by the time Jimmy's shaking her head, who, do, who am I missing there? No, no, no. I was just saying, like, uh, um, like Forest is on a, a crazy losing streak. I mean, they beat Villa. I, I can't say anything about it, but like, they're dangerous. Like, I think they, uh, and uh, Jake can get it to me here in a second, but I think they also like played well against Brighton like Brighton deserved the win but like they played well against Brighton too so I don't I wouldn't say new, uh they're I mean they're struggling yeah but I wouldn't say they're easy like that's the thing there's no easy games um, yeah I guess what really, I'm referring really to is it's not city away at the Emirates it's uh although it's forced <laughs> away at home so we, we've got the hammers Thursday then Newcastle at home Sunday Forest after that then Everton and then Brighton a big battle and then Burnmouth. So, you know, some obviously some tough fixtures in there, but also some winnable games while we're waiting for our uh, Mickey Van Devan and 
Madison and Benton Curd all return to the lineup once again. I uh, Phil. <clears throat> oh, oh, go ahead. No, I'll just say I, I, my, my takeaway from that game, and I guess really from the like the last, you know, with the losing streak included, is, um, I love the commitment from Ange to stay true to your system, regardless of like you know everyone from in, if you're part of this club, you are gonna play this style of football, and like it just be brave and like go attack and like it's it's refreshing like you know even in the past and like it, obviously everyone deals with stuff their diff- different ways but like lots of teams for so many years when they played city just sat there and tried to absorb just sat there and tried to absorb and, and like park the bus and like especially you know with spurs last couple coaches right Mourinho and, and Conte and that sort of stuff now to see them like you know what Fuck it, we're just like throwing haymakers, like, and yeah, we'll get burned, like, but to stay committed to it, and like the and like you the the post, I don't know if you watched the post get uh post match interview with Ange, but like, like that dude's like legit, like I would I would go to battle for that guy, like, cause he like unwavered, like he's like yeah, it's, I mean it's part of it, but like we're you know we move forward, like what else are we gonna do, like, um I, I love yeah, the attitude, so it's. So. It's so much fun to watch. I was just looking at the results list now and not a single nil-nil draw in the whole entire fixture list since the beginning of the season. Uh, multiple ga- goals a game, and you're seeing so many players go down and the style hasn't changed. Like He moved Kulisevsky off the right wing into that Madison role, and Kulisevsky looks fucking great in that role, which is you know, uh, a breath of fresh air. And then you see Brennan Johnson coming in and giving great minutes and being strong and fast up that one side. And somehow that back line is glued together with the uh, Emerson Royale in the, in the center back position next to Davies. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't, Roy- I don't know. Roy- it's, uh, it's been fun to watch. Royals an like adventure, man. Royals He's an adventure back there. Yeah. They're so tiny too. Like if you look at them on the field, there's no one. Over- I think Kulisevsky might be the tallest player in the, in the Spurs outfield right now. Outside of Vicario, I think is six, four. I think Kulu is like six two, but they look tiny on uh, when they're they're defending against set pieces right now, which is definitely a concern. But we get Romero back next game, so that'll be nice. Although a Romero Royal backline is a terrifying uh, prospect, and as far as if if you have a sports book, I would say definitely bet on a and a booking from one of them. No, yeah, Phil Phil Foden looks like the SoundCloud version of Vinnie Jones. <laughs> yeah, just a couple face tattoos short. Yeah. He has a face tat. He has 47 behind his left ear, I think. Really? Not quite a face tat, but close enough. Was he, anything was he the start of that up. fad now? Like the him and Trent wearing their their B team numbers? That's a good question. I yeah. yeah I, I like know. I want to say I want to say like I saw it in Italy. First, like I saw, like uh, I mean, even fuck Ronaldinho or what eighty one for for AC Milan. Like I, I get what you're asking about, like the squad, you know, coming up from yeah. uh, from youth system. But I don't know. I feel like guys have been like randomly been doing that like the last I'd say ten years. But yeah, they're definitely the two of the biggest high profile ones, right? I mean, just because they're so good and. Um, but you it's see crazy. now with uh, Ramsey does it for Villa too. He still wears forty one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I kind of like that trend. I feel like uh, 
I wonder why it's always been lower numbers with, with soccer, but it just seems like the way it's been. Well, it's classic, right? You define positions by numbers. Like True. You, we still talk about like a number 10 because it used to just be the 11 guys. Like you wore one through 11. Like that was it. Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, it is weird to see like Doku starting on that left side every game for City and seeing Grealish come on. I guess he came out at halftime in that, in that game. Doku is fast. He's, He's a freak. He's hurt though. Oh, Grealish has been hurt? Yeah, like he just came back like two weeks ago, like full healthy. Like he um, said, uh, the this was the quote from the doctor, it was the worst dead leg they'd ever seen. Like it was like a basketball size uh, bruise out spot from where it all bled underneath the skin. Like it was just huh. massive in his, in his, in his quad or his, his hammy, I can't remember which. Um, yeah, he's, he's so he's just getting back healthy too. But I mean, I, I would nothing take note of him. Doku, Doku has been playing fantastic. He's, but he's a totally different. He offers something completely different than what Grealish offers. And I think he got taken off because of the sunny goal. Like he was right there, right? Like that was a 50-50 ball that Kulu just punted out there, and yep. Sunny just ran around him, headed it down, and, and took it for the goal. That was yeah, that's that a mistake on his part for sure. To let Sunny kind of get in behind him. Yeah. What's De Bruyne's deal? How, how long is he out for? Because City definitely it's... looks vulnerable. Like there's there's room at the top for the first time in a long time. It's gonna be the whole season. Like I mean, um, the hamstring surgery that he went for. Like I, I'm pretty sure that's what Alex Moreno went through for Villa. And if he just had it in August, Moreno was out for like he's just not coming back. So it's been like seven or eight months. Um, so I mean, like that's that's a whole season for for De Bruyne. He's not coming back this year. It is, it's weird to see City fourteen games in with three draws, two losses. I f- I feel like in uh, prior seasons they were damn near perfect early in the season. Big big news on the injury front for them. Uh, Fop Bob's saying that uh, Zach Steffen returns in a few days. So is he still on that? Is he, is he still see? He's not is he still City there. Yeah, he's on City. He, I don't know who would want to loan for him right now. He's like been hurt. He had like he's got like I've heard he's got like chronic. Was it you guys told me that he had like chronic knee issues or something? Yeah, he's got something with his patellar tendon. Uh, Yeah, I remember we did a podcast episode, Rooster and the Villain. There's a Zach Steffen episode a long time ago where he is talking about getting uh, patellar injections, and he was probably like 22, 23 years old, still playing it. Uh, Hoffenheim. So I, I I think he played at Middlesbrough last last year, right? We need a new number one. I hope he comes back and starts killing it. I'm gonna be Slonina. So he's next hope, right? I mean, you know, it's not Matt getting keepers now, yeah. No, <laughs> Jake, State yes. of the Union, Brighton. What's going on, buddy? All right, I'm going to do the fan thing first. Right. So finally won in the league for like the first time since like September, I believe. Um, Nottingham is just a weird game. Um, the uh, the whole thing with dissension, like I, I get what everyone's saying, like just keep your head down, whatever. But also Anthony Taylor, grow up, you bald prick. Um, the AAK Athens match, that was really, really fun. Um Really not our best game. We probably should have lost that game in the first half. Um, with the uh, 
with the stats, I think that was like the first time in like a long time that we've been beaten in possession. Um, they had more passes than us. We we sort of worked as a counterattacking team. Uh, got by with another Pedro PK. And then the Chelsea match, again, doing the fan thing. Um, the refereeing, in my opinion, was horrible. That Caicedo should have been sent off, bringing them down to nine men. And then the uh, the penalty on tra- uh, Trailer Park, Nick Cannon or Nick Carter, um, was not a penalty. Uh, Milner went shoulder to shoulder with him. The guy flopped down. And then even after a VAR review, they still gave it to him. Uh, and then the handball at the end, uh, it obviously wasn't a handball, but it went out for a corner and he did a drop ball to the re- to the goalie, which effectively ended the game. That being said, that's the rule, though. The last one, that's the rule. Like, I, I, yeah. it sucks. That's a rule. But I even with a VAR, like if, if it goes out, they can't say it's out. If they if they if he stops it and he does a VAR check, you can't go back and give it as a corner. Like it's it becomes a drop ball if he changes his mind. That's like that's like letter written. Like that's uh-huh. a, it's a handwritten rule. He didn't. Yeah, but it sucks. Like I'm yeah. I'm not arguing that it's stupid. Uh, hopefully, like of all the other stupid shit they're doing, like in review and like changes right now, that seems like a pretty fucking simple one. But again, that's I, a really I, I digress. Rule. But regardless, the the refs are gonna be bad, especially against the powerhouses like Chelsea, Manchester United, like those teams are going to get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to refereeing. That's just the way it is. You can't win games giving up two goals in 21 minutes. You can't win games like that. I don't care who you are or how strong your offense is. You're you're just not going to win like that. Uh, Brighton has been absolutely horrible defensively this year, um, just getting murdered on counterattacks. And then as Deservey put it, uh, stupid goals. Those goals were just dumb. The The Fernandez goal was dumb. The penalty was dumb. The Colwell goal was dumb. Defend. Like, they, they, they have to do something. Deserby's too smart. I feel like a broken record at this point, uh, having to say this every week. Deserby's too smart of a manager, or at least he's hyped up to be, uh, to let this keep happening. It's just, it's horrible. And it doesn't matter if Dunk's on the field or not. Like, I remember... One of the discussions we were having, like the the AEK Athens match, uh, the first one, um, talking about how important Dunk was to set pieces and stuff like that, and that that is true. But even on the matches where he's on the field and looking good, we're still giving up goals. And I haven't gone too in-depth into it, and I haven't seen really any articles talking about why that's the case. My working theory at this point is just the, the lack of fullbacks right now. Um, we had uh, Veltman on the right side and Hinchelwood on the left side. Hinchelwood, I believe, is in his teens still. He's 18 years old. Um, He had to go up against Sterling. And then Veltman, who's a center back by trade, had to go up against Mudrick. And you're just not going to have success there. They got to change something to where we could stop getting just murdered on the edges anytime anything goes wrong like if there's a dumb pass which is bound to happen it's like you have we have to be perfect or else we just get sliced um can can i offer oh, like a theory like not to, to jump in like on top of you yeah. so that so brighton like just double checked their average age of your squad is 22.6 years old like yeah I know there's like veterans like Dunk and Gross and uh, you know March a little bit when he was healthy. 
all those and Milner, like <laughs> whenever he limps on out there. Um, but like, I think that's, that's an important thing too. And like, in you know, I, Chelsea hatred aside, right. That's what they've been burned about. Like this year is like, Hey, we have a bunch of kids out there learning how to do this. Brighton has sold half of those kids to him, but also like <laughs> is playing like a bunch of 18 year olds too. And I think that some of that stuff where it feels like it's like mistake or a blown this or blown that like, is like they should be treated with the same kid gloves that we're treating the kids at Chelsea. Like largely it's just a bunch of kids with some veterans and yes, they're talented and deserve is a good coach, but like at that age, like they just make mistakes like that happens. Yeah. And you guys just are just getting burned by them. That's just my outsider opinion, but I just wanted to put that interjection. That. Oh, that's, that's a good point. The, uh, I had read an article, it, it had kind of broken down, like this is why I kind of went into this, was there was an article that was talking about their defensive struggles, it didn't really give a reason why, it was just kind of saying like, this is what's going on. One of their working theories was um, McAllister was a a highly underrated defender in his own right, like as far as like taking balls off of people, um, super underrated in that aspect, and then Caicedo, um, as much as I am not a fan of him anymore, uh, he absolutely was huge as a as a defensive mid for us. Um, Brighton is 30 goals for, 26 goals against. Um, the highest in the top 10. And I believe that's like 1.8, 1.9 per match, which is just insane compared to last year. I think it was like 1.4, 1.5, something like that. But... They're they're still doing everything right. That is a good point you made about the the youth and stuff like that. And I think getting um, getting certain guys back. Obviously, losing Fatih is a killer. Um, well, back. I mean, you can't rely on him. Uh, Estupian supposedly late January and CISO mid January. Um, and then Dahu should be back after a suspension, and Dunk has been suspended. But, like, if you look at what was going on in that game, um, they, the, the fact that we had to go – we had to fight back from two goals down within the first 21 minutes against a team, like you said, you know, young. And uh, it just feels different for Chelsea because it – like, as much as the mistakes that they're making on Brighton, it still feels – and maybe this is just my bias showing – it still feels – like there's some sort of a maturity there. Like the, the shit that was going on with Chelsea, it's just, it's insane. Like they were trying to lose that match and we wouldn't let them. Yeah. I saw the, that Connor, Connor Gallagher, uh red card at 45 minutes into the game. What were they up yeah. to? Two nil at that point. Oh, no, yeah. Two, two one. nil at that point. Oh, was uh, the, um, was the Facundo oh, two, one, goal two, because of the Connor Gallagher red card? Or was that separate? The what? The Buenanote? Yeah. Yeah. Buenanote. Um, no, I believe that was, uh, I think that was right before, right before it, but Chelsea's that was weird. They're a weird club because they have some signature wins now. Like I would argue that's a, against you guys at, you know, playing a, a man down a three, two wins and a nice win for them. Um, they're kind it's... of an enigma. I could see them kind of fighting for champions league spots later in the season. Unfortunately, uh, they also just... had that four, four draw with city too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I 
I don't want to. I don't want to admit it because I I don't like either player. Like because the the faceless Chelsea drones on Twitter just hype these guys up. I Enzo's not good enough to do that to us. Mudrik is not good enough to do what he did to us, in my opinion. I I just like I said, they they were trying to lose that match from the get go, and we didn't let them. the 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 back four for Chelsea are all center backs, and it's just irritating. Like whenever I look at Chelsea's lineup, I I barely recognize the names, especially on that back line. I don't who is what is it? Ba- Badia Chile? I think who, who the hell is that? They, they got Jimmy? they got they got him and uh, Axel De Sassi from Monaco. Both of them were yeah. starting center backs for Monaco like two years ago, and now they're the starting center backs for Chelsea. Huh. But like that's like. The, the two guys you just named, that's like $75 million in transfer fees just for those two players alone. Like, Yeah, Chelsea doing Chelsea stuff. Poor Everton. Poor Everton and the well, financial uh, fair so play rules. Chelsea, do you know what Chelsea's trick is, which they've never done like in European contracts before? What? They're, they're amortized or amortized, however you say that fucking word, over like eight or nine year long contracts. So like, like they're they're paid like a huge fee, but it's broken down over like a bunch of years just to help with financial fair play. Like, but no one's ever agreed to those kind of contracts before. So mm. I think that's uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's a weird it's a it's a weird weird uh, workaround. Um, but it blows up in your face if you know ninety percent of those guys which you bought young end up being shit, right? And then now you're behind the eight ball with all that. So anyway, yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, just the end of the game was ugly too. Uh, people arguing with each other. Um, Colwell Colwell stayed somewhat mature. He started to celebrate and then kind of calmed down. He made a comment, I think, after the match. You know, like kind of sucks. I scored my first goal against Brighton, and then Sanchez, for whatever reason, uh, decided to be a prick after the match was over. Um, I don't know what his deal is. Like he felt, I guess somehow like he was wronged. He's just not really, really good shot stopper. He's just not a keeper for the modern game. And so we got rid of him and he got paid. So I don't understand what he's mad about. So Colwell, you got, he's, was he a regular starter for you guys last year? Yeah. He was, uh, he was on loan. To you? Yeah. Oh, on loan. Okay. He, he started, he kind of wrestled that, that center back position next to dunk. Um, People said Dunk made him look better than he was, but um, I think Van Hecke is doing better this season than Colwell did last year. Nice. So, what does the uh, what does the rest of December look like for you guys? Uh, you're you're sitting in first place in the Conference League group, right? Uh, second. Second. So, what do you have? One more uh, fixture left there. One more against Marseille. Um, we have. Oh, that's a good match away at Marseille. Uh, home. home, we played at the oh, nice. which, which uh, if we win, I really, really, really want to win that match. Um, obviously, just for bragging rights to say we won the group, but then also we don't have to face the Champions League squads that are coming down. We'll get someone else. Um, we got Brentford at home on Wednesday, Burnley at home on Saturday, uh, and then Marseille at home on the fourteenth. Away at Arsenal, Oof. away at those douchebags from London, <laughs> Palace. Palace, 
and then we get bright or we get a uh, Tottenham at home to finish off the month of December. So uh, easy dub. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see. We can have a nice little wager on that. Sorry, I missed your uh, text about putting in a bet. Oh no, thank God you didn't. I I don't yeah, know why. Lost. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I was just thinking maybe maybe Michigan trips up, but no. I had a rare massive win when uh, Newcastle beat United the other day because I had draw at halftime, Newcastle win at full time. It was like ninety bucks. I pulled all my winnings out of the the app for now, and I'm taking a, a little break. Using the money on some Christmas presents. Nice. I didn't. Or, uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't follow up in the Iowa game, but there was a bar or a golf course that was offering free beer until Iowa scores. <laughs> I heard this. Yeah, and they did not score. Yeah. Twenty six. They did not. Yeah, that, is, that would have been a, crazy. That would have been a night. Woo! That would have been a night. That's a good promotion right there, though. Although you could get burned in soccer. What a bold bet! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I know better listening to Levitard about what Iowa is, but just on that off chance, that, that, I mean, this isn't a football podcast, but that is the worst offense I've ever seen in my life. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Like their fans are wearing hoodies that say punt on it. <laughs> yep. All right, James. Although you're both James, aren't you? Yeah, technically. Let's go with the villain. Uh, all right, James. so, so yeah, you know, like the won't we'll go back in the Spurs game, but we talked about that already. That was uh, a nice win. Um, and then Thursday, uh, playing at home against uh, Legia uh, in Conference League, uh, was a big matchup because they beat us, um, in match day one in Poland. So, uh, getting the result there, two one, um. Gave away a goal. Uh, Buba Kamara did a one-touch to pass it out, pass it right to the guy, and credit on him. It was in a really good finish from uh, Ernest Mucci. A uh, really good hit. Um, and then, uh, you know, we were able to stay, like, tough in that one, and we got, like, a, a goal in there. So a 2-1 win is good. That puts us at the top of the group uh, with uh, one game remaining against uh, uh, Zerinsky Mostar, which was terrifying to say. Uh Couple uh, couple months ago, but I think we got it. Uh, so with our our fate in our own hands, right? We win and we win the group. So uh, all things considered, um, pretty pretty good um, standing for conference league, kind of where, where we want to be. And then we come into the weekend, and I kind of talked about it last time, but like I said, you know, this week it was going to be brutal schedule wise, right? You know, and try not to look ahead, but we do have city on uh wednesday followed by um arsenal on saturday um and so bournemouth you know you look at some of their results i think they've won like uh two in a row coming into this game uh including a win over newcastle so like they they are playing well and honestly like watching that game you know villa's away form can be one thing uh we were missing buba kamara um playing in there um although tlmans offers more going forward um, but yeah, again, uh, they got honest early. Diego Carlos plays a bad pass uh, to Ryan Christie. Ryan Christie drops right back to Semenyo, who is an absolute lightning bolt to watch. A really fun player. He's exciting, um, but he buries it for the early lead for them. Uh, not long later, uh, Leon Bailey gets the ball on the right hand side. 
cuts in, cuts in, and you know once he gets on his left foot, he's going to absolutely drill it and uh, puts a beautiful one uh, lower far corner. Gets us to one one. Then two minutes later, Diego Carlos scores. Luca Dean is offsides like on a flick, like by a, like a half step. Um, so they wave that goal off. Second half, um, we make some changes. I think Zaniolo came off um, for Jacob Ramsey. I'm glad to see him back and healthy. When he's healthy, he is in our starting 11. And that's saying something. We've had a good year. Um, but he comes in, and um, I think that's when Diaby came in too. But, um, again, they go up. They get a goal. I think in the 51st minute, Dominic Solanke gets a ball in. Beautiful pirouette turn. Puts it between Pau Torres' legs and bottom corner. Good goal for uh, Solanke there. So 2-1. Villa's pushing, 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 um, and in the in the ninetieth minute, like eighty nine, fifty six, uh, Diaby plays in a firm cross that Ali Watkins is diving forward, but has to like reach his head back and flicks it perfectly far far corner for uh, for the goal. We get the tie. Um, honestly, like well deserved tie for both teams. They, they they really impressed me. I was they played an exciting brand of football. It wasn't um sit back and relax you know they got some exciting players with Semenyo and Cloyvert and um and those guys so uh hats off to them good tie but it puts us in a rough spot luckily everyone else kind of had rough results right like Tottenham and City tie um I know Arsenal wins but Liverpool oh man they almost tied Fulham that would have been good but you know we're not super far off the pace um but we're you know we're going to see what, how good we are. And, we're, and lucky we get to play the next two at Villa Park, right? Like, that's they talk about Villa Park being a fortress so far, like in 2023. Um, we're going to need that. But, you know, I think if we could, I think Dreamland would be if, I, if we're talking next week and I say that we got four points out of the next two games, I think that'd be Dreamland. Um, but, like, you know, I'd, I'd settle for two um, as well. So it is um, wild. You guys are only four points off of first place right now sitting in fourth yeah i read that i read i read uh, an article article about how like bill is built um like we are technically an older team um everyone is pretty much prime age we don't have a lot of young guys like especially with ramsey having been out but all these guys are like in that like 26 to 29 uh range and so like we have like a pretty small window like the way we're built right now. So everything's just kind of, kind of hit and they're really bank, uh, banking on um, either like, you know, getting to Europa league through the conference league or pushing for top four and getting that champions league bonus that can let them kind of roll on, you know, as they've kind of built this transfer strategy, that was a lot of getting guys on free transfers with Kamara and that sort of stuff. But now you see him spending money like Emmy Buendia a few years ago. And then, you know, 65 million on Diaby by blows blows a transfer record away. It's kind of a gamble that with these guys in our prime that that we get into some of that money that allows us to make some of those expenditures going forward. So it it hopefully works out. Like I, I, we talked earlier in the season, if they won the conference league and finished eighth, I'd still be happy with that. It's a very competitive Premier League this season. Would you rather finish in top four and not win that competition? Ooh. Man, Champions League is a lot trophy, of money, man. Champions League a, is a lot a tro- of money. Trophy, trophy or Europa League, or don't want that Champions League money. Hundred percent with that Champions League money, because what they'll immediately do is invest that. So you're going to see them. That's where you're talking about, like, 
all of a sudden a $90 million um, player isn't out of our price range because we got that that windfall for one year at a Champions League. Um, that's like that's that's the sort of swing that I'm talking about. So it would be interesting. I, I mean, I, I don't think we need a striker. Ali Watkins has been, you know, for my money outside of anyone outside of Holland, he's been the best striker in the league. Um, and I'm, I, I know Isaac and, and uh, Callum Wilson have had good seasons up in Newcastle. Um, I, I don't discount what Sonny is if you're calling him a striker these days, but uh, Watkins is, is lethal every time he steps on the field. So I've really enjoyed seeing him this year. Um, also, by the way, Spurs, buddy, uh, thank you for yeah pissing off the fucking Hollenstein fucking dragon <laughs> breathe this wrath down upon us on wednesday oh, the only benefit wednesday that's right the only the only benefit was in that game Grealish picked up his fifth yellow so he can't play at villa which is fun um also rodri got his fifth yellow so he won't be able to play either and he's uh he was the one that when he was out those two games for a straight red before that they lost both of those that was arsenal and wolves so like I think they are super vulnerable without him in in the lineup. He's a huge difference maker for them. I mean, it'd be fucking awesome to see you guys nick any points off of them at all. Much like the league was happy that that uh, Tottenham drew them. So good luck to you. I hope I, I wish you the best. Ollie, Ollie's clutch, man. That's uh, he scored the last goal in the last two games. Winner yeah, and a tire. I think he he's not. I wouldn't. He's. I would never call him clinical but he's ruthlessly efficient when he needs to be but like he does fluff some opportunities here or there he's not perfect but like i think the fact that he can run for absolute days like he can run forever he doesn't never gets tired always hard working always willing to make the runs down the channels and do the hold up play and stuff um and he can play every game um yeah he's he's really really cool right now it's, it's fun to watch he's, uh, oh go, go ahead for jake no no go uh, I was gonna say Borman's got some talent too. Freaking Neto, Christie, Patrick Clivert's kid. I wanted Justin Clivert on Brighton after seeing him at Valencia because I knew he wasn't gonna stay. I wanted Brighton mm-hmm. to go get him. That that kid's got some skill. And I mean Patrick Clivert is like a Netherlands legend too. So Marcus Tavernier is also a very good wing player for them. Um, you know, Solanke is really good. He scores a lot of goals playing for that that team. Um Isn't he like a been... Liverpool dude. He was he he was yeah. Liverpool when he was like eighteen or something like that. Um, never really got a shot. Bournemouth is perfect for him, and um, he's kind of eating that stuff up. He reminds me of Tony that way. I think Tony was in what was it Chelsea or somebody like that set up and like had to go down to come back up. Like um, even Callum Wilson a little bit, but I didn't realize that uh, they're six points off the drop. That's that's a pretty decent lead over that. That eighteenth uh, relegation spot. So I thought they were worse than that. Uh, they got like. But I also wanted to give you. Uh, game. I wanted to ask you a, a quick trivia question. Ollie Watkins has eight goals. He's tied in fourth. Which with uh, which player for for uh, goal leaders in EPL? And it's from a London team. Sonny. Sonny's got nine. You'll never guess this. Jared Bowen's got eight goals this year. What? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild. He's this. He scored against Villa. Wild. Yeah. I wonder who's got him in fantasy. I'll have to look that up later. It's me. Okay. Do you? Um, you got Bowen? Yeah. One hundred percent. Um. All right. 
So let's uh um keepers. It's a good detail. We had yeah, we had a couple of weeks to catch up there, but for uh top five series here um this week we do have goalkeepers. This one um you guys will find that in the past my lists have been fact based and usually pretty much chalk with most of how you'd find like internet type searches for players like that. Goalkeeper was the position I played growing up and therefore has way more emotional attachment. So for the first time ever, you guys are going to see me be a little bit irrational in some of my choices. Excellent. Let's start with you. I have, your, uh, I have, o- I have, OLIs. I have Landon Donovan playing there, right? Because he can play whatever position Mike says he's going to play. Um, <laughs> we can put Drew in goal, too. And we can put Harry Kane in goal as well. Maybe I'll say yeah. Harry Kane. Oh, Harry Kane, he, didn't he slip on a keeper jersey one he time? Did. Like, he did. Yeah. He let in a goal, I, I, I believe. <laughs> oh, all right. OLI number two for me is Gigi Buffon. Gigi Buffon is my OLI number two. Man, you did go with like feels, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I respect him for staying with Juventus, but also fuck you for staying with Juventus, you <laughs> fucking dirty bastard. Go on. All right, I'll go uh, OLI number two. I'm going to go Memo Ochoa from the Mexican national team. Just a it's staple a of show. my uh, staple of my soccer watching career. Watching that curly haired bastard between the pipes in uh, Azteca. So I always enjoyed always enjoyed him. He's still playing, 38 years old in Syria. Yeah, um, Concacaf legend, World Cup Ochoa is like one of those like legendary like holographic Pokemon cards. Um, I'm gonna go Mexican keeper as well. Mine is uh, my first Oloi is Jorge Campos, the <laughs> coolest, the coolest fucking shirts, the coolest, and oh, he pretty. Gosh. I forgot who it was. It was. Santos or whoever he was playing for, he pretty much forced them, said, I will sign with you, but you have to let me play striker too. And he would go out and score goals. Goalkeeper wearing number nine. He's fantastic. He was hard to keep off my list, but he was one, as soon as he, uh, Mike said Momo Cho, I was like, oh, I know somebody's got to have Jorge Campos. That's that's a great shout. Um, My other OLI is, um, and I would argue this one is, uh, it's going to sound emotional, but I promise you this one's fact-based for me. Uh, OLI number two, so technically sixth best goalkeeper in, uh, for me is David De Gea. And he got like moderned out of football, although the rumors of him possibly going to Newcastle should be terrifying for everybody because Newcastle does not care about having a ball-playing goalkeeper. They had Nick Pope the last two seasons. And if you just want a incredible stop uh shot stopper that dude that dude's gonna have it um he carried he carried united for like 10 years through some of the grossest years in united's history he was like golden glove winner uh like just dragged them to you know good for so many years um he's still young which is crazy but yeah for me number six david ola number one I got, uh, yeah, I, I liked watching De Gea when I first started getting into the Prem. I thought he was clearly one of the better goalies early on there for me. Uh, my first OLI is Tony Miola, who is a Kearney, New Jersey native. Played a uh, 1990-1994 World Cup. And I have this 
very random memory where my youth team got to walk on the field at a Metro Stars game. And I just remember seeing the back of his jersey and I walked about five feet from him. Didn't really realize he was a legend at the time, but as I get older, I now realize he is a legend. So shout out Tony Miola, OLI number one. Metro Stars were dope. I hate that they're Red Bull now. Um, kits were nice. I was a big fan of the Metro Stars kits. So um, my five through one is pretty much chalk. So uh, my OLI were kind of like feels. So my second is uh, Santiago Canizares, uh Valencia legend, over 300 games for them. Um, sort of a uh, an Orozco situation, having to sit behind Memo for all those years on the Mexican national team. He was always second fiddle to someone on Spain. Uh, always second best, but sort of like a one B option. Um, the man, the man won La Liga titles during uh, the Galacticos era. So you just got to respect him for that. UEFA Cup uh, in 0304, Supercopa de España, UEFA Super Cup, Intertoto Cup, uh, and then a Champions League runner-up two years in a row. Um, Santi was the man, and now I believe he's a rally car driver, but just an absolute legend, bleach blonde hair, uh, like myself. Um, but yeah, just a fantastic keeper. I think he had a mullet at one point, too. Blonde mullet, love a good mullet and a neck tattoo on a keeper. Love it. You like Ederson? Okay, um, like neck tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> big old neck tattoos yep um all right number five for me is peer check dude's, dude's great iconic that that helmet uh i don't uh, like chelsea at all but like that dude i i watched uh united play him for a lot of years he's absolutely one of the best goalkeepers i've ever seen and did it like really well for a long time like even had a pretty solid a few seasons with arsenal at the end uh, too so Eric I kind of remember him on the uh, Arsenal squad at the end there it's also fascinating to see him play goalkeeper as a professional hockey player now Mm -hmm. pretty cool 41 years old all right number five for me I'm gonna go uh, it's all feels for me baby it's all feels I'm going Felix Anon from the Maryland Bobcats yes yeah former Ghanaian national fantastic keeper he just was heads and tails above the rest of the uh, goalkeepers in the national independent soccer association so gotta go with him jimmy looks perplexed the dude was like five foot nine he he was five foot nine and he played like he was six foot eight the the guy was just insane like and then if you said anything nice about him on twitter anything nice you got like instantly like 15 followers from ghana like they love him. I forgot the name of his club. It was like some porcupine club. They they're obsessed with him, and he was just a freak, man. Awesome player. I wonder if he's still playing. Did he go anywhere after the Bobcats? I've searched for him. I can't find him. Hmm. All right, my number five is Peter Schmeichel. Um, like I said, I'm pretty much going chalk. Um, legend for United during the uh, the glory years. Um, and then one thing that I didn't know until I looked him up to kind of do the, uh, the honors part of his, my discussion on him is the guy won the euros with Denmark in 92 and that's pretty crazy. So 
Big shout out, Peter Schmeichel, number five. Uh, number four for me. Um, oh, am I muted? No, okay. No, you're good. Uh, number five for me. No, not number five. Number four for me. Uh, and this one uh, definitely like feels and honestly just like a really fantastic keeper at a very long career in the Premier League. Um and did it on an international stage pretty much every time he was asked. Number four for me is Tim Howard. Yes, I think we'll see Timmy again later on in this uh this segment. Oh, you don't you don't say. You don't say. Okay. I have another uh national team goalie and it's not Matt Turner. Sorry, Jimmy. So uh, I'm going Hope Solo. She was a staple ah. for the uh USWNT for a long time there. Did a lot of winning with Hope uh, between the pipes and say what you will about her getting in the pipes or getting the pipe after her playing career, yeah. but she was a fantastic goalie. Loved her very much. Fighting with her boyfriend. Some photos out there. <laughs> uh, my number four is Manuel Neuer. Um, just a freaking rock. Took over for Khan. Um, World Cup champion, uh, won all the Bundesligas, um, all the DFB Pokals, uh, two Champions Leagues, just unbelievable. Um, playing for probably one of the greatest clubs in the world. Uh, he just, dude's amazing. Great, uh, great with his feet. Uh, devilishly handsome. Manuel Norton, number four. Was he a Cosmo at one point? No air. No, he's yeah. still playing. Oh. <laughs> he's the Bayern Munich unit goalkeeper. Definitely not. Okay. Jimbo. I'm trying to think three. Of All right. Yeah, number three. Uh Oliver Kahn. Uh I always like used to joke, like, you know, playing goalie growing up, like Oliver Kahn was huge at that time. And like my last name is Karn, so Sure as shit. I pretended I was I was Oliver Kahn all the time. Um this is like an absolute wall. Obviously, the um all the Byron accolades. Um just a fantastic keeper. Uh always the guy I bought first when I played uh like FIFA like two thousand, FIFA two thousand one, like you know, uh, that just set that goalie uh in there and um you were all set. But yeah, number three for me, Oliver Kahn. Nice. Uh, number three for me, I've got Kaylor Navas. Uh, I guess I have a kind of a CONCACAF theme going on outside of Felix Anon, but Costa Rica goalkeeper. Costa Rica had a lot of good years when he, uh, he was in his prime. He's still playing for PSG, but fantastic career with Real Madrid. Then again with PSG, spent a little, uh, he had a cup of, cup of tea with Nottingham Forest last year, but he's back at PSG, still still playing. So shout out Kaylor. He he could go on a top if we ever did a top five most disrespected players, he could go on that list. Like he obviously in Concacaf he gets overshadowed by Memo. I think he's he's probably more talented. The the Real Madrid years were awesome. The PSG years were awesome, but they they ditched him for Courtois, and then he gets to PSG and they bring in uh, what's his face. The Italian guy. Yeah. Donnarumma. Donnarumma. Yeah. So yeah. my number 
My number three is Oliver Kahn as well. Um, the big puffy shirt, the yelling, sometimes wearing a hat. And then um, after the penalty shootout uh, in the uh, Champions League final, him uh, him comforting Canizares, uh afterwards after they beat Valencia is, is one of the more iconic footballing photos, in my opinion. So, yeah. Aww. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> I have to pretend I know who you guys are talking about sometimes. He's a, he's a gentle giant. German national yeah, goalkeeper. Just, anyway. just look up his highlights, man. Cosmo? Dude, dude was... <laughs> Is that going to be the question for every single one? <laughs> no, he pl- no, he played for the Detroit Express. Um, all right. Uh, number two for me, I, uh, probably the guy I watched play the most in my childhood. Um and ton of success. You can't watch a highlight video without seeing him. Number two for me is Edwin Vandersar. Um, you know, I loved United as a kid, and he was there for like all of those formative years. The the Champions League finals, you know, against Chelsea and Barcelona, and um, like all that sort of stuff. And then, uh, you know, I love the Dutch national team, um, and he was a, a fixture for them as well. Well, uh, him playing with like Arjen Robin and all those guys. Um, this absolute class player human um but yeah uh number two for me edwin vandersar i've got a uh, timmy howard as my number two uh best usmnt goalkeeper in my lifetime uh long prem career pretty cool that he played for the metro stars before he went to man united and uh yeah so timmy howard definitely on my list number two everybody loves timmy um, my number two is Iker Casillas. Um, I've never been uh, like a super big fan of like Real Madrid. They they irritate me as as a Valencia fan, but like you kind of have to uh, to appreciate what those what those teams were, um, the Galacticos teams or whatever. Like just how crazy it was, like the amount of talent that was on those squads, but. Um, Dude's just a legend, World Cup winner. Um, where they the the Spanish national team just went on that run from 08 to 2012, where they're just winning everything two Euros in a row and a World Cup in between them. It's just fucking insane how good that Spanish team was. And Iker Casillas was right there, um, on the back line. Dude was amazing. All right, number one for me, uh, he was mentioned earlier, um, but he is the reason I play goalie. Like, like I first started watching the highlight packages, you know, being inundated in Manchester United stuff uh, when I was a kid training, um, and I was a forward, and I wasn't very fast, and I hated running. So, uh, like, and I was always a little bit taller as a kid, and my coach asked me, he's like, well, do you want to try playing goalie? I said, yeah. And then I started, I was like, oh, this is, this is a killer. I could use my hands and all that sort of stuff. And then we'd watch those United videos with Peter Schmeichel <clears throat> in goal for, for United. And I was just like, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm going to be a goalie. So, uh, um, I, and then obviously being part of the treble team in, was it 98, 99? Um, yeah, just, just fantastic stuff. He was, he was it for me. I loved him a lot. He was the inspiration behind that uh, Michigan 2005 state championship from Kalamazoo uh, 
was it Calvin High School? We, no, none of, none of that is correct. Oh, no, you know what? Yes, that's exactly correct. Those are the exact facts. Kalamazoo High School. Yeah, I thought you won one state one title? state title. No. Are you? I thought no. you and uh, Matt we were always to, talking we, about that. No, we, we went to state semis, man. But like that was that was it. it wasn't you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Old glory day bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my number one, Hugo Lloris. I uh, kind of uh, fell out of favor at the end, but man, he was a. Uh, he was just a fantastic goalie for so many years. The anchor of that that back line with Toby and Jan making that beautiful Champions League run. little sketch with the ball at his feet sometimes, but I loved Hugo. I was sad to see him go this year. I thought it was a little unceremonious how they uh, just cut him loose. Brighton broke his arm, I think. Oh, is that that game that uh, he was against Brighton? Yeah, yeah I remember that gross. fall. That was disgusting. That was a gross. Oh, he was out for a long time after that one. I don't think he was actually ever the same after that. He was the the French starter for 18, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure was. Won a World Cup title. Not a loser like the rest of Tottenham. (laughs) Um, This is kind of why when when, uh, Jimmy mentioned him, I had to chuckle because now I feel kind of weird saying it since he – he went feels, but my number one is Buffon. Um, twenty-eight fucking years of professional football is is just insane. And people could say what they want about like, oh, like you know, well, keepers can play longer and stuff. Twenty-eight years uh, doing anything is just insanity. Um, Parma, Juventus, PSG, back to Juventus, and then finishing at his his boyhood club at Parma. Um, the man's a legend, World Cup winner. Again, super handsome dude, part of that Italian squad. Just awesome, awesome player. Loved watching him play. 509 appearances for Juventus. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's the biggest number I think I've ever seen next to somebody's name on a Wikipedia profile. That is a a, a lot of appearances. All I think right. Gigs was like in 400s. He, uh, yeah, it's pretty solid too. Never scored a goal like Howard, though. So I mean, how good was he really? Not very <laughs> good at all, apparently. My, I like my goalkeepers to score. All right, uh, rants. Any oh. any final thoughts for y'all before we get out of here? I got a couple. Um, you guys can kind of fall in. I'm gonna kind of bring up a subject if you guys want to discuss it for a little bit. We can. Um, when is the next international window? Uh, I there's a cupcake window in January, but yeah, I think it's that, February is the next actual window. Maybe that's what I wanted to bring. March up. Camp Cupcake should not have anybody over the age of 23 on that squad. That's all it should be. It should be the Diego Luna's, Brendan Aronson's kid brother. Like you can make it a domestic thing if you want to make it a domestic thing, but we know who Ferreira is. We know who these guys are like bring in under 23 talent and see what we got and then start shop. Like don't, don't tell Don Garber. That's what you're doing, but bring these guys out, showcase them so that European clubs can see them and start bringing these guys out of the U S. Yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good call right there. So you want the, you want the Olympic squad then? Yeah. I well mainly I want Diego Luna to get capped. Cause I fucking love that kid. 
He's got um, a neck tattoo. Yeah, he does have a neck tattoo. Yeah, pretty badass one. Um, real quick note: uh, Lazio uh, responded to uh, to Celtic always bringing uh, whenever they go to play them, bringing a banner of a hung Mussolini saying "Follow your leader." Uh, they came back with the big brain insult of "Go home, potato eaters." So uh, Lazio, the stupid fascists. Absolutely killing it in the insult game. Good on you guys. Um, and then my final rant. Um, I've been wanting to talk about this for a little while. Uh, it's been something that's been bugging me. Um, I had a Sunday league game end in a in a giant fist fight. Uh, people's mouths were bloodied and whatnot. And I've had a indoor game end with fist fights. Uh, stop fucking fighting at these games. It's not that serious. You don't see, you rarely ever see, you know, malice of the palace brawls. Um, I mean, obviously shit happens, but like, we're not playing for the champions league. We're in horizon, Texas playing seven on seven. And it's either really, really hot or really, really cold. Um, it's just low life activity. Stop fucking fighting at these games. It's just stupid. Hey, man, I've played too many uh, rec league games where some asshole is just all testosterone up. I, I never understood it. Never. It's just I agree. Dumb. It's dumb, man. Like the, the fight for the fight during the Sunday League one was their guy fouled our guy. Our guy kind of like met him face to face was like, hey, what the what the hell? And then somebody just ran up from the defensive line of the other team and just knocked this kid out. And it's like, why are you doing this? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that's uh, arrestable behavior, in my opinion. Yeah. On a, on a rec field. Assholes. Yeah. My rant is quick. If you're done, do you have anything else? That's it. Uh, I picked up this book called Eight World Cups by George Vesey. Um, I got it from a used bookstore for $1. I Got the Zlatan book that from the same bookstore before that. If you have a little local used bookstore near you, go in there and check out the soccer section. Guarantee there's some gems. I'm I'm loving, absolutely loving this eight World Cups book. So that's my advice to you is go find a soccer book and read it. All right. Jimmy Nerd. Rant. No. Nerd. <laughs> no rant. That's it. It's ending right there. Now. <laughs>